the scripture. If you have your notes, that would be good. Read with me from the notes. If not, then please turn with me to Leviticus chapter 14. There's some Bibles in the pews as well. And uh, today is Sermon 22. That's how many months now? Five or we're shooting for month number six, right? And Yeah, yeah, half a year already, and we're still in Leviticus. Um, what have we been talking about for the last six months is shadows of Golgotha, pictures of the cross in the Old Testament. We started from Genesis. Now we arrive to almost the middle of uh, the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 14. Uh, this is pretty much a continuation of what we started last week. Now, what, we, what did we talk about last week? Exactly. The law of the cleansing of uh, leprosy. In, in Leviticus 13, it talks about the disease, or how you diagnose it, right? And we spoke about that last week, and we said that this is a picture of sin. sin. Thank you. Jimmy's paying attention. At least one is. <laughs> this is a picture of sin. Leprosy in the scripture is a picture of sin. And we talked about seven similarities in a way between leprosy and sin. Now we're going to move to uh, Leviticus 14. How we can how the leper of the Old Testament can be cleansed from leprosy, and how is that a picture of uh, the cross of Christ? Amen? So uh, Leviticus 14, we have three main um, outlines in that chapter. Remember what we talked about last week, that the leper will be, where, where would the lepers be? Outside the camp. They will kick them outside the city, right? So... In a way, the leper for him to be cleansed and just to be fully immersed in the, uh, in, the, in the community and be able even to go to the tabernacle and worship God, there is kind of like two stages, two different, uh, two levels of cleansing in a way. The first list of, uh, of cleansing or ceremony take place outside the camp. Why outside the camp? Because... That's where the leper is, right? So they do some ceremonies outside the camp. Once the leper is cleansed, and then once that is done, now the leper have the right to go inside the camp. And once they are inside the camp, there is a different set of ceremonies and cleansing that he has to go through. And now the leper can actually be fully immersed, even enter into the tabernacle. Amen? So it's kind of like you can't go from outside the, the camp to the tabernacle straight. You have to outside the camp to inside the camp and then from inside the camp to the tabernacle. And then, um, so ceremonies outside the camp, that's verses 1 to 9. Ceremonies inside the camp, that's verses 10 to 32. And then the last part is leprosy of the houses. We saw last week that there is leprosy of the garments, right? Now this... Today, we're only going to stop at verses 1 to 9. Hopefully, next week, we will close up the whole chapter after that, okay? So today, we're going to only uh, look at the ceremony that takes place outside the camp in order for the leper to get inside the camp, amen? And then next week, hopefully, we'll close the whole uh, chapter. We'll see. So let's read with, uh, read with me if you want to, or I can read it to us. Um, that's Leviticus 14, 1 to 9. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out 
of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, well, let's just stop here. So the, the assumption here is we, there's actually two people got healed of leprosy in the Old Testament. Can anybody recall these two people? What? Miriam, correct? Remember, Miriam was kind of a temporary thing. Like she was struck with leprosy because she disobeyed, and then she was lifted from the leprosy after that, right? There's another person who was named in that Syrian, correct? That was the second person who was struck with leprosy, and Elisha, the prophet, um, commanded him to go dip in, in the river, and he did that seven times, and he got healed. So that's the only kind of incidences that we read about in the Old Testament where people were healed from leprosy. But in the New Testament, we see Jesus healing a lot of lepers, correct? Some are documented, some are just saying, look, look around, leprosy are being cleansed, amen? So, um, but the assumption here is if somebody comes to the point of being cleansed, whether that's by the power of God or for whatsoever reason, usually that disease kind of in the Old Testament incurable. Again, it's kind of like lead you to death, right? But if that happens that the leper is cleansed, now here are the ceremonies that goes with it so that the leper can be declared cleansed. Amen? So verse 3, the priest shall go out to the camp, out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy healed in the leper, then the priest shall um, command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed on an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and he shall pronounce him what? Clean. Let's see that part again. And he shall pronounce him clean. And he shall let the living bird loose in an open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off um, his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp. Do you see that? Now he's moving where? Inside the camp. But look at the rest of that verse. And shall stay where? Outside the tent. So it's not like he's fully integrated. This is just inside the camp, outside the tent. For seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave off the hair of his head and his beard and his eyebrows. The point here is they just want to make sure there's no spots of leprosy anywhere. So just shave everything to make sure there's no hidden spot anywhere. All his hair and he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body with water and he shall be clean. So the ceremony goes as follows. Some lepers, somehow he got healed. He got not healed, cleansed, right? Because again, we said leprosy goes with cleansing, not just healing. So he got cleansed. So what happens is that the priest goes out of the camp to that leper. And they take with them five things. Two birds, right? And... Uh, cedar wood and, um, actually more than five things, cedar wood, uh, scarlet, and hyssop, 
okay? And then they take a vessel, and in that vessel says it has running water. What does that mean, running or living water? It means it's a vessel full of water, but it did not come from a still water like a pond or a lake or something like that. It came from a fountain or from a spring where the water is continually running as a symbol of clean and fresh water, right? So they bring a vessel, they fill it with running water, clean and healthy and fresh water, and they take that vessel outside with them. And what they do is they kill one bird over that vessel so that the blood will fall inside the vessel where the water is, right? And then they take the living bird and they attach to him the three other items, the scarlet, the hyssop, and the, uh, the cedar wood, and they dip the living bird in the water with the blood of the dead bird, right? And then they let him free in an open field. But before that, they take the same water and the blood, sprinkle the leper seven times. Now he's cleansed. Then they take the bird and let it fly out, right? So this is pretty much the rituals that take place. And once that happens, the guy is declared clean. He has to wash. He has to shave to make sure there is no spot here or there that the priest have missed after he examined him and declared him clean. Amen? And but after this ceremony, now the leper can move from outside the camp to inside the camp, but they have to still stay where? Outside their tent. They cannot go in yet. Next week, we'll see the rituals that takes them inside the tent. Amen? So, in this ceremony, in this passage, I want to highlight three points here. We're going to learn three things. We're going to see that, number one, the priest reached out to the guy, or the man who has that infection, right? The priest goes out the camp for him. So, number one, the priest reaches out to the one with the infection. Number two, we see a picture of death and resurrection. And number three, the lepers comes to cleansing and connection. They rhyme, just in case you haven't noticed. All right. <laughs> so let's say them together. Number one, the priest reaches out to the one with the infection. Number two, we see a picture of death and resurrection. And number three, we see that the leper comes to cleansing and connection. Now, seriously, I thought about this. After you, like, these outlines, if you pick up a Christian from the street and tell them, hey, we preach a sermon about these outlines, they would think that you read a passage from like Romans or the New Testament or a story about Jesus because these are the gospel, right, in, in three points, right? But we're not reading from the New Testament. We're reading from where? From the heart of Leviticus, right? We're dead in the middle of the book. And yet we see a vivid and beautiful and, and, and deep picture of the cross and the gospel. Amen? Amen. God's word is such so rich. Amen? I love it. The priest reaches out to the guy with the infection. We see that in verse 3. Who goes out to who? The priest goes to the guy who's infected or the leper goes to the, the priest? The priest goes out. Now let me ask you a question. Why do you think the priest goes out to the leper? Because they're outside the camp. Why doesn't the leper go inside? He cannot. The leper is incapable. They're prohibited by the law from coming inside the camp because they are unclean. Remember what we said last week? If there, if there is somebody accidentally walking in or out the city, they didn't realize that there is a leper there and he's approaching the leper. The leper have to cry out and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Stay away from me. I'm unclean. 
So even though the leper thinks that he has been cleansed, he is incapable of going to the priest or to the camp. The priest has to come out to him. Amen? Amen. Think about that. The one who is a priest, a holy person, set aside for God, the holy reaches out to the unclean. Think about that again. The holy reach, the holy one reaches out to the unclean one. Amen? Because, amen, that's exactly right. Because the unclean person is incapable of reaching out to the holy one. Amen? Does that ring a bell to anyone? Absolutely. This is precisely what Jesus has done for us. He reached out to us. And the reason why he reached out to us is that we are incapable to reach out to him. We don't have what it takes to know the Lord. Amen? I mentioned that to you guys before. In Luke chapter 19, we read a story about Zacchaeus, who happened to be a tax collector, according to the culture of that time, a very sinful person, right? And throughout the story, you see that Zacchaeus heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see Jesus. And he, he's a short man, so he cannot get through the crowds. And he, he's really eager to see Christ, right? And then he finally decided to overrun everybody else, jump over a, a sycamore tree, and all what he wanted is just to watch Jesus and just see him, right? And Jesus walked by with the crowd, and he sees him on the tree and say, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I must stay in your house, right? Zacchaeus cannot believe it. So he throws out the big party, invite all his friends, and salvation comes to his house that day. At the very end of that story, Jesus closes and says that the Son of Man has come to do what? To seek and to search that which is lost. Think about that. The whole story, you read it, and you think that it is Zacchaeus who's trying to seek and search and reach out for Jesus, right? He's trying to see him. He can't do it. He overrun the crowds. He climbed on a tree. He's the one who's doing all the work. It seems like it, right? I mean, what did Jesus do? He just called him down and he went to his house, right? But the guy did all the work. So you read through the story. You think it is Zacchaeus who's trying all the hard work. But Jesus, at the very end, spinned it around and he said, Zacchaeus, guess what? You're not the one who is seeking after me. I am the one who is seeking after you. Amen? You think you were trying to reach out to me? Forget that, Zacchaeus. I am the one who is reaching out to you. Amen? Zacchaeus might have ran a couple of miles to overrun the crowd, amen? But Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth to be a human being like you and me so he can go to the cross, so he can redeem Zacchaeus from his sins, amen? amen. The holy one reaches for the unholy one, amen? I don't know about you, this is good news to you and me. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, when we were weak, when we were incapable of approaching God, in Romans chapter 5, I guess, what happened when we were weak without strength? Christ died for us. When we could not have what it takes to approach a holy and a righteous God, Jesus came from heaven and he died on the cross to provide the way for us. Amen? Yeah. So if you're here today, you think you can reach out to God through your good works, I have bad news for you. Your good works are filthy and unclean before a holy and a righteous God. This is bad news. Amen? Yeah. But here's some good news. 
When we could not reach out to God, God reached down to us. Amen? Amen. And that is through Jesus when he came down to go to the cross to die on your behalf and my behalf to bear our sins and to take our punishment. And because of him and because of his cross, now we can approach in a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Amen. The priest goes out the camp to the leper. Amen? We'll skip that verse here in Ephesians 2 to 1. It says that we were dead because we cannot do anything to approach God. But number two, number one, we see that the holy reaches to the unholy. But number two, we see a picture of what? Death and resurrection. The priest has to take two birds, right? One bird die and one bird fly away. Amen? And the bird that flies away is dipped in the blood of the bird that died, right? That's kind of like they're all connected, the Bible want to say. The, the one who, who flies away is very connected to the one who died. They carry its, it carried its blood and it ran away. Amen? And that is a vivid picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? Jesus died, but the same Jesus who died on the cross three days later, what happened to him? He rose from the dead. Amen? And in the killed bird and in the flying bird we see a picture of jesus dying on the cross for our sins and being raised again from the from the dead as well for our justification amen yes. now why is it important that jesus need to be resurrected how is it that the cross and the resurrection are connected why do we need both for us to be cleansed and be brought to god why correct Absolutely, absolutely. But why do we need it both, death and resurrection, so that God will consider us and bring us into his family? Well, how is that solving our problem? I'll tell you why. Sin has a multifaceted aspects to it. Sin is just not breaking the law of God, which it is. Amen? Sin is not just breaking the law that bring upon us the judgment of God, which absolutely is. But sin is, is more than that for us. Sin is also a power that controls us. And even though it might have been already paid for on the cross, it is still a cruel and a harsh master and we cannot break off its yoke over us. Amen? So when Jesus died, he solved one problem, one aspect of the problem of sin. And when Jesus rose again, he solved another aspect of the problem of sin. When he died, he took care of the penalty of sin, right? He bore our iniquities, he, bore our, he paid our price of breaking the law of God on the cross. He, he solved the problem of the penalty of sin. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, he solved the problem of the power of sin over us. You guys follow me? Yes. Here it is. Let's say the penalty of sin. There is so many scriptures to count. I'm just going to call one to you. John 1, 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Again, this is like the sin offering that we talked about a few weeks ago, right? When, when, when somebody sins, they bring a lamb, and they just lay their hands on the lamb, and the innocent lamb dies on behalf of the guilty person. And that's just the picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He took our punishment. He took our death and he died on our behalf because he is the perfect sinless lamb of God amen? amen but the problem with sin is not just a penalty that need to be paid off 
Sin is a cruel master and you cannot get over that power in your own strength. You need an outside power, somebody that gives you the strength and the might so you can actually break the yoke of sin. Amen? And that's why the risen Christ come into the picture at that point. It's because Jesus rose again. It's because he is alive. He is able to give us, infuse in us his own life so that we can live free from the bondage and the yoke of sin. Amen? And that's why Jesus is the only way to heaven, simple and clear. Muhammad died, he's in the grave. Buddha died, he's in the grave. Everyone who came to claim that he brought the way to us from God are dead and they are in their grave except one person. Amen? And his name is what? Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead and because he's alive, he can give each single dead sinner the life and the power to change. Amen? Yes. Amen. Colossians 2.13 And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, how? Together with him, forgiving us all our trespasses. Paul said that when, when, when Christ was risen from the dead, God made us alive together with him in the same manner, in the same way, in the same time. When God raised Christ from the dead, he also raised us through the power that raised Christ from the dead, from our own deadness because of sin. Amen? Yes. Death and resurrection. This is the foundation of everything. All what you need to be made right with God, God has provided in the death and the resurrection of Christ. That's it. Amen? This is all what you need, that the crucified Christ and the risen Christ to be made right with God. Amen? So we see that the priest reaches out to the one with the infection. We see a picture of death and resurrection. But number three, we see that the leper comes to cleansing and connection. Now think about this. We said that leprosy is uncleanness, right? When, when, when... When somebody accidentally come outside the camp, the leper doesn't cry out and say, sick, sick. Doesn't say that, right? What did they say? Unclean, unclean, right? Because leprosy is uncleanness, it's filth. But after that bird dies and the other bird flies away, now the guy can be declared clean. Amen? And the one who was outside the camp and now where? Inside the camp. So the leper will experience cleansing and connection. He come back into the camp of God. Amen? Amen. Now, the priest have to take with him cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. These three items were mentioned another time in the book of Numbers, number uh, 19, verse 6, in the law of the red heifer. We're going to talk about that, Lord's willing, when it comes to numbers. How is that also a picture of the cross? But the point of, of the law of the red heifer is this. They, they burn that red heifer, they take the ashes, and through it, they provide ceremonial cleansing to those who are unclean in the Old Testament. And when they burn the heifer, they, they add to the, 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 the body of the heifer that is burning these three items. The hyssop, the cedar wood, and 
scarlet. And they burn the whole thing together, and then they take these ashes, and that is ceremonially can cleanse people in the Old Testament. Amen? We're going to read about that in Numbers 19. The author of Hebrews spoke about that in Hebrews chapter 9. He said that if the ashes of a heifer can cleanse to the, from the filthiness of the flesh, how much more can the blood of Jesus, who through eternal spirit has offered himself up to God, can cleanse your conscience from dead works, right? That's what the author of Hebrews said. So the author of Hebrews has given us uh, allusion to that as well in the New Testament, that this heifer is used to cleanse from ceremonial filthiness and uncleanness. Amen? Amen. So these three items always associated with being ceremonially cleansed. Amen? Amen? And not only that, not only that, the priest will take the blood mixed with the running water and he will sprinkle the unclean, the filthy leper seven times, the number of completion. And now the one who's unclean is now what? Amen. Does that ring a bell to anyone that you can be cleansed by blood? Amen? Amen? John, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another. And then what's going to happen? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse us from how many sins? All sins. Zechariah 13, 1. That's in the Old Testament. That's not New Testament. That's an Old Testament. Talking about a prophecy of Jesus being crucified for us on that day of his resurrection, Zacharias, on his death, Zechariah said, on that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David, David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do what? To cleanse them from filth, from sin, from uncleanness. Friends, is that day when the side of Jesus was pursed with that spear, that fountain was open for cleansing, for sins and, un and filthiness and uncleanness that we all have. Amen? Because the blood of Jesus can cleanse from every sin. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. The blood of Jesus can cleanse from every sin. How about a serial murderer? How about a serial rapist? How about the most wicked of all? The blood of Jesus is still far much stronger than every sin was ever committed. Amen? And it doesn't matter how unclean the person is before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, can cleanse from how many sins? All sins. And it's not just that the leper will be cleansed. The leper also will be brought in into the camp of God. Not in the tent yet, but still coming near. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once what? Far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen? Isn't that like New Testament? I mean, this is not Old Testament. Is it Old Testament or New Testament? It's mixed. It's all the same. Amen? Because the cross is the focal point for, from all eternity to all eternity. God just look at Christ and him crucified and that's all what we think about. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all come before the Lord and pray.